My guest today is Andrew Foreman, former banker who, after his MBA at Harvard Business School, decided to resolve a problem he experienced of making charitable giving smarter. Fast forward, he took the leap and became an entrepreneur. Today, Andrew is co-founder and CEO of Gives, a high-growth tech platform created to resolve this problem. In this episode, we hear Andrew's story of changes, pivots, and the highs and lows in between. You are listening to Double Espresso with D, with me, D Sterling. I love a great story. So in this season, I will talk to incredible people who've experienced huge, pivotal moments of real change by choice or by circumstance. From stories of reinvention and inspiring career pivots to the dramatic shifts that happen in moments of crisis, I hope you can join us each week to hear about their fascinating and inspiring journeys. Welcome, Andrew Foreman. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Wonderful to have you over there in New York City um, with me sitting here in London. Um, Andrew, some years ago, you were working every hour in banking. It just uh, eight to three, you know, just eight, eight, eight a.m. Exactly. to three a.m. No, no problem. Yeah. Enough time to have a shower and brush your teeth right. and repeat. Right. Right. <laughs> and miraculously at the same time you were also benevolently giving your time as treasurer of a not-for-profit and uh, you know the story goes that you were having lunch one day with a friend and this person was hosting a fundraiser and he mentioned that he wished there was an easier way for uh, to donate to charities right and have a record of of it at the end of the year uh, and sort of commercially and from a corporate governance perspective and a sustainable perspective, handle all of that in a much more efficient way and do better good. You know, making charitable smarter or charitable giving rather smarter. This sat with you and quite a number of years later, uh, you decided to do something about it. Take me to that point, you know, with all those years of working insane hours that you decided to take the leap yeah, so the the point I I suppose I was at business school. I was being asked by the business school administration through their classes, et cetera, et cetera, what are you going to do with this one and precious life? They ask you that question nearly every day to to make you think, what are you gonna do when you get out of business school? And I had been thinking about this idea to your point for the better part of a decade. I think it had been seven or eight years that at this point I said, you know, I'm going to I had I had already researched the space. I had spent the summer researching the space. And I said, when I graduate, I'm going to launch full-time into entrepreneurship to solve this problem of being able to give smarter. Uh, and that was, you know, make, making charitable giving smarter. Not to necessarily make your, what you care about is what you care about. But I wanted, uh, when you care about something, in the moment you care about something, I wanted people to be able to act on that in an easier way than, and have an easier time than they do now. So um, I know you said that when you were at HBS, someone called you a wantrepreneur, 
not an entrepreneur. <laughs> and that's slightly stuck in your throat. And I also think a bit of emotion can, you know, make great things happen. You know, as I often say to my children, Dante, who's one of my favorite all-time authors, you know, did not sit in Florence having a cappuccino and write the Divine Comedy. Do you know what I mean? He was exiled from a city-state. So I know in your case it wasn't that extreme, but you have said that you felt a little bit aggrieved. What effect or impact did that have on your thinking about what you were going to do in this space? I think everybody holds on to things in different ways. I, I think you need fuel for the fire, as I think of it. And that was like a nice little piece of fuel. Um, for me, anytime, you know, somebody sends an email or something that's like, hey, like, this is, this is never going to work. And here's why. And, you know, I like pinning that on the on, on the board in front of me, just because you want to prove folks wrong, right? Um, and you have this great inner belief. I think, the entrepreneur statement was really, it was to everybody in the classroom, right? Like every, like there were 30 of us who were starting our businesses and he's like, the vast majority of you are entrepreneurs and that's just a fact. And, and I think what, I think he's riding a little bit on the coattails of it's really hard to start a business and a lot of us, a lot of folks are going to fail. And the question is, are you going to continue trying to, trying to build a, a new business? If you, are you going to pivot? What are, are you going to just go back into investment banking or, or private equity or, or wherever you came from before you started entrepreneurship? And yes, I, I'd agree with the fact, the statement that, and, and, and in, of those 30 people, I think there's two of us that are still running our businesses. So I guess. So Andrew, you'd been in banking, you'd had a successful career up to that point. You decide to do your, your um, MBA what was the emotion around not going back to that world? It was really hard. I won't sugarcoat it. I really liked the job. I wanted more always than just making money out of money in some sort. I wanted to have a larger impact. And, and so that was the thought process. And as I made the leap going back to that moment, second year of school where I said, I'm going to work on this full time and I'm not going to go back to the investment bank. That was a tough decision. It was a really, really tough decision. So when you made it, because at one at some point we have to actually, to your point, make the leap, right? Yeah. Which is an action. It's not a thought in our head. Um, but when you had made that decision and you, you were going forward, how did that feel? At first, it was super empowering and scary at the same time. My wife was an entrepreneur before me and I'd seen her do it successfully then she went into the investment side of things and so at this point you know I think a big piece of it I think if I had had kids and I had a family already at that time I don't know that I would have been able to make that decision uh, but at the time it felt amazing I was like okay I'm working for myself this is it and and ironically I ended up going back to those crazy hours and they were different hours they, they were more meaningful yeah so Andrew, you then created Gibbs. Great name, by the way. Names are so important. So tell me a little bit about the business and how it looked when you started. Yeah. So how it looked when we started is very different than now. But what we do now is exactly as you said, it's, we're creating a market for donation incentives. So we see two trends happening in e-com in particular and, and retail right. at large. First, brands are trying to move away from discounts as much as possible. Second, they're trying to weave in social impact in a genuine and authentic way. Both of those things are really, really hard to do while driving sales and being able to measurably drive sales. And Give sits at the nexus of those two trends, allowing brands to run 
donation-based incentives like spend $100, get $20 to give to the charity of your choice. And that replaces, you know, spend $100, get $20 off. And in fact, it outperforms spend $100, get $20 off. Interesting, right? And that's the crazy consumer psychology piece that we've unlocked. And that's, uh, that's what we do. What trends are you seeing since you launched? Uh, you know, the world is shifting, isn't it? People are much more uh, in tune with behaving in a sustainable manner in their personal lives, in their business lives. Corporations are looking at ESG and on and on. What observations would you make around all of that in relation to the growth of your business? I think the biggest thing is that this is not a fad, right? People caring, deeply caring about issues, what be they anything from environmental issues to human rights issues to their pets, anything that they that, that folks care about, they are just becoming more and more passionate about those particular causes. So I'd say people are becoming more and more passionate about things, and that's not going away. This is not a fad. They expect brands to participate in what they care about. And it's also that personalized experience that you're talking about, which builds customer loyalty and brand loyalty. Because as you and I know, people are voting with their feet. You know, they're buying sustainably. They are turning their back on um, businesses that do not have a clean supply chain or some degree of circularity in their uh, in their approach to their business, right? Absolutely. So, Andrew, tell me about the pivots, so the big pivots so far, the big changes so far in the business, and what they were, and how you coped with those. So, I was a, and I guess technically still am, although I feel like the pivot makes me a second time entrepreneur now. But I was a first time entrepreneur four years ago when I started the business, mm-hmm. I was creating a Venmo for charitable giving. So I was going direct to consumer, trying to get people to install an app on their phone at that they then were able to make all their donations in one place. You know, they learn about a cause, but it did take us, you know, a year and a half to build everything. It took us six more, six months additionally to find out that the unit economics were not going to work. <laughs> in my, in How did case. you feel when you worked that out? Sleepless nights, uh, f- fights with, you know, people closest to me about, you know, how, you know, how could I have sunk this much time into something that's not going to work if it's not going to work at the end, uh, you know, but oh, the whole while feeling like I'm going to figure it out though. <laughs> and I know, like, I don't know if that's delusion or what, it, what, what those feelings were, but it was, it was definitely tumultuous times. What was the worst moment you had? Like when you hit rock bottom during that, you know, discovery process? I think of the turnaround. I remember where I was. I was on vacation and I promised myself I'm going to try to unplug. And I think that was sort of the rock bottom slash turning point where I just was lying in bed thinking, you know, not sleeping and thinking, I have to figure something else out. Yeah, we're out of gas. Something else needs to happen. It needs to happen. And to my wife's credit, you know, She's recognizing I'm not sleeping, having having some issues. She's like, let's just talk about it. Okay, so if it's not this, do you go back into investment banking? What do you do? Let's figure something else out. And I couldn't turn my back on it. I was like, no, we we have something. We actually have something here. She's like, well, you don't, right? Because you're out of gas and and and, and you're done. Love her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same. Uh, but yes, and and. She, but you know, telling you what you need to hear, right? Because going, oh, and it'll all be fine. That's not helpful. Totally, right? totally. And uh, and and I was like, you know, I have. I think we have something with businesses here, right? And I think it, the D to C is tough, but I think. With businesses, there could be something massive. And to her credit, she that on vacation sent 
you know, 10 emails to, to retail companies that, that she had. And so one of those retail companies decided to do a test. I found another retail company that decided to do a test and, and we ran two AB tests, one on Facebook, one on via email where we basically offered a discount in the A portion of the test. We offered a donation incentive on the B part of the test. And we saw almost 20% increase in conversion with the donation incentive over the discount in both cases. And how did you feel then? Did you feel, did, I mean, how quickly did you feel that you turned a corner with that shift? Immediate. I, I was like, I wish I had done this earlier. I knew it earlier. You know, you start to look back and, and say like, hey, I could have done this a year ago. Like, what was I thinking? But at the end of the day, I came back to my team and I said, we we have fully pivoted the business. We are full, no more no more focused on everything that we've been focused on, but we're now, we're now doing this. Um, and the vast majority of people were excited about it. We lost some people uh, on that. We had built up to a team of about seven, and uh, we ended up going back down to a team of three and building it back up from there. And what were the changes for you leading and as a leader? Yeah, I think for me, it's a good question. I'm learning every day on the management side of things. Uh, this is something that you can always improve on. Hiring and firing are the toughest parts of the job, getting it right. I know. <laughs> but I will say bringing in A-plus people around you also is extremely, extremely helpful. So I think we have an amazing team right now. Um, Fantastic. And I think to your point about people, um, you know, the problems very often come with people. And in any business, it's all about fit, isn't it? And I think when you're growing an entrepreneur-founded and led business, there are different dynamics. Because particularly in the earlier stages and the earlier years, you don't have the vast array of uh, professional experts, the accountants, the lawyers, the this, the that, on tap to take care of certain things. And it really falls on you. And I think that's very hard. Um, tell me, Andrew... As an entrepreneur, you've gone through quite a bit of change already and the business has gone through a lot of change and you've been able to act quite dynamically. Life throws up a lot of uncertainties. Business throws up uncertainties. How do you deal with uncertainty in your business life? In the business life, uncertainty, to me, I used to pause, right? That was the biggest thing that I would do. And I would pause and I would probably pause for too long with uncertainty. I'd say, all right, let me sit on this for a few days. And I think in entrepreneurial life, how I've changed is anytime I'm uncertain about something, I do take a 10 minutes to think about it. But that's about it. I realize that you can try to rationalize and justify your your gut instinct. But when it's when it's such a small team, when it's such a important time for your business, you need to make decisions quickly. Own up that you're not going to make 100% of the decisions right all the time, you have to just make a decision and go. And so that's the biggest learning I think that I've taken away from uncertainty is I'm not exactly sure what the right path is. I think it's this one. Trust your gut and go. Quite. And almost trust your gut first and foremost above your reasonable and reasoning mind. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Tell me, you are a parent now. How's that changed you as a person? Well, now there's something that's just more important than anything had ever, you know, I mean, you have your own life and your wife and your partner, I guess. And, and you know, and who, you know, you, you can't imagine loving anything more than that. Uh, and then and your family and then, you know, these kids come along and 
they're your whole world, right? Uh, that's everything you do shifts around how can, you know, Gives now needs to succeed, not only to send a billion dollars to charity and be the, the number one giving engine in the world, but also so that we can support these children <laughs> and make sure that they have great lives. And, and, and actually, you know, not only from the financial sense on my side, but really make the world a better place for them to grow up in and for them to, you know, eventually have their own lives in. So often in business and in life, we can just run ourselves into the ground, can't we? What shifted there for you, if anything? Yeah, I think, I, and this is something that I've definitely spoken to my wife about as well, because we, you know, especially with the little kids and then the business, definitely didn't have time to work out or see friends or anything of the of the like that I used to like to do um, and stay healthy and in shape and, and you know, I was like, hey, you, you have to take care of yourself. And so more more credit to her as well. But yeah, you have to take care of yourself. And eventually, as these kids get older, my three almost three year old now, she's starting to mimic everything that we that we do and say. And and she she's really hilarious. Yes, yeah, it was very funny times. But also we're setting examples now for her, like for sure, for sure. Even at, at our earlier ages. Tell me, but in terms of like kind of influences on either how you conduct yourself as a person in your life today or people who, you know, just taught you something really fundamental, uh, again, making who you, who you are. It might even be someone you don't know or never met. Who, who would that be? That's a really good question. I think I'll think about who maybe someone that I had never met or how it, I, I mean, I, I was an athlete. So I think a lot of the athletes growing up, that I idolized, that I thought were were amazing. They were always the hardest workers. They were there at, before practice. They were making their teammates better. You think of, you know, the Jerry Rices and Tim Browns of the world. Um, you know, I played wide receiver at D3 in, in, in college, nothing crazy. But, I mean, I was just always trying to emulate being the hardest worker, making sure that, you know, you're there before everybody else and your teammates know that you can, you can count on them. But I think my grandfather really was the one who taught me something that I had never, had never really thought about, but he, the way he phrased it was different than what I actually took away from it, which was, he said, you know, I'm 80, I can do whatever the blank I like. <laughs> um, and I Love don't that. care what other people yeah, think. Yeah, Good for him. Yeah. And I liked that view um, from, and, and I think he always he was super respectful and super respected, but he just didn't, you know, he didn't care what other people thought about him. That was not factored into the equation one bit on the way he conducted himself. And I try to do that as much as I can. Well, also, you know, it's, I mean, I've talked about this on various of my shows, you know, the, the, this whole idea that we have to conform, that we have to look like one another, that we have to fit in. At every level, you know, physically, emotionally, how we respond to things, our interests. And actually, you know, we are not sheep, thankfully. Right. As much as I love animals, don't right. get me wrong. I'm right. a big animal lover. <laughs> you know, uh, we should be like eagles who fly solo until they find someone to fly with. So to that end, Andrew, what, what is your, if you had like a special power, you being you, you being unique, you being, you know, someone who is charging down the entrepreneurial highway at high speed. What is your special magical strength? I think my special magical strength, that's hard to talk about, I suppose, but I'd say empathy. Don't hold back, okay? Yeah, just brag as much <laughs> as humanly possible. I don't think 
I don't think that's my superpower, but you can tell me if otherwise. I, I'd say for me, empathy, I think that where where I try to make my superpower to be, and I think generally decent at it is um is, is being empathetic with folks. I've been in a lot of different situations. I can feel what other folks are feeling in a in, in a lot of scenarios. Ex trauma, I've really not experienced too much trauma in my life, thankfully. Um, and I, I cannot empathize with folks. I try to be sympathetic there. But I think any entrepreneur's journey, any, you know, if you did working in banking, you know, anything in between on the, on the work side, I think I can really empathize with anything that anybody's going through. And I try to listen first and then talk second, because once I start talking, I probably don't stop. So that's, um, that's I got to at least get a good listening session in first um, so that I can relate. Right. So today, Andrew, you learned so much about how you solve problems and deal with difficult issues because they do arrive. Where do you stand on that in terms of what you've learned about yourself that you're going to take forward as you grow the business? I'd say the biggest things that I've, that fuel the fire now, sure, there's the people calling you entrepreneurs or saying this is not going to work. As you prove that it works, those become less. But there's there's always some version of that happening <laughs> on some level. So I try to fuel the fire with that as much as possible. But I think it's the people that believe in me, the folks that did invest in us, in Gives as a concept, in me as the entrepreneur. They're the people that I probably think about the most before going to sleep. And the nice part about Gives is that just fundamentally at my core, I know that if we turn this into a billion-dollar business, that means that we've sent billions of dollars to amazing charitable organizations um, and we just crossed that million dollar threshold and so that's ultimately I do think that at least as far as leaving a stamp on the world and building something that you can point back and say even if this were to fail today we sent a million dollars to amazing charities that deserved it that people chose and cared about. So Andrew I have one final question for you. You're on the journey, which is always the most exciting place to be. Um, what do you feel is your purpose in life on planet Earth? I was actually thinking about this last night. It's funny you say that. I said, was my purpose to, is my purpose to send a billion dollars to charity? Because that's the purpose that we've flagged here at Gives. That's the mission that we're on. Is something that's, um, that I really think about. And I was like, was I put on Earth to do this was this was this always the calling was i always going to end up here um do you think that do you think it you're still you're still exploring that still exploring that i fundamentally believe that we will make this happen and and that this will exist and that gives will be the gold standard within a, a two years everybody will be running this some version of donation incentives for sure gives hopefully um and and that is is without a doubt clear in my mind the my purpose is does it stop there i guess is the question i don't know well andrew it's been a joy to talk to you today you've got fantastic energy i'm super psyched about the business the growth all the pivots that you've been through so far all the learnings and i will look forward to hearing more as you continue on the path thank you so much for being with me today Thanks so much, Dee. I really appreciate you taking time and asking real questions that lead us through a great conversation. Thanks so much. I had fun. Thank you. Thank you. 
I loved meeting Andrew today and hearing his story of balancing business with doing good and giving back. He's a thoughtful entrepreneur and we need lots more of those. I really understood when he talked about the fuel to the fire that being called a entrepreneur gave him. I'm a big believer in positive encouragement. But sometimes we do need someone to lay down a challenge to the way we think and to give us something powerful enough to fuel that fire within us. Over time, Andrew has also learned to use this fire to help him in his role as a leader and CEO, to make decisions more quickly, to pause less, and listen to his gut instinct more. This has happened at a few crucial points in the business when he really needed to change the way he worked. Being open to that need for change, having that fire within him, is what carried him through the challenging times. I also enjoyed hearing about his aspirations, from simply trying to emulate being the hardest worker, making sure that his team knows they can count on him, but also wanting to donate a billion dollars to charity through business. An incredible goal. Thank you, Andrew. I'll be back next week with a reflective look at the first half of season three, considering all we've learned about change and challenges and what lessons we can take forward into the new year. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on Double Espresso with D. Do connect with me on Instagram at D Double Espresso. I love hearing your feedback and what has resonated with you. And don't forget to join me next week for another amazing guest interview. Until then, au revoir.